And the American Nightmare's dream will be over. To lose to Dusty's kid. Awesome Punk just said, I didn't wait 10 years to lose to Dusty's kid. And now taking Cody as he looks at the WrestleMania sign and prolongs the agony for Cody Rhodes. Looking for the go to sleep. Cody, though, able to catch him. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train. Episode 449, submission number 460, The Cheap Show. The Cheap Show aired in syndication from September of 1978 to September of 1979 for a total of 24 episodes. That's 50% more episodes than your standard Croc Block, which is the 16 episodes that Uncle Croc's Block ran and many, many other shows. The following program although edited for television, still may contain some objectionable material. The producers feel that alone should be enough to make you stay tuned to this channel. This authentic early American bee smoker worth $9.84 or any one of these other exciting, nearly great prizes might be taken home by our contestants. And we have something horrendous in store for their unfortunate loved ones. All this and much, much less tonight on The Cheap Show. And here's the host of The Cheap Show, the only man we can find to work with Cheap, a man who actually believes that his check is in the mail, Mr. Dick Martin. Welcome to their cheap show. It looks like we have a perfect audience tonight. They look as cheap as we are. <laughs> to give you some idea how cheap they are here, some stars get a limousine. I got a bicycle. <laughs> I did. All in all, they go to very little expense to bring you this show, and you may see some pretty ugly things happen here tonight. But remember, it's all in fun and no one gets hurt. Well, Greg, we're going to talk about another one of those goofy game shows from the late 70s. And this one is renowned for, well, it's cheapness. I mean, you heard it in the name of the show, The Cheap Show. And this came from somebody who's familiar with bizarre TV shows, a gentleman by the name of Chris Beard. And Chris Beard, in case you don't know, he was a producer on The Gong Show. And actually, Adam Needif, good friend of the podcast, tells a story of how Chuck Barris handled the daytime show and Chris Beard was the person who ran the nighttime show. But he didn't last all that long, uh, specifically on the nighttime version, because he had a different way of doing things than Chuck Barris did. His show was a little more like an actual talent show and if you watch an episode with Gary Owens hosting, it definitely has a different feel than Chuck Barris episode. And apparently Chucky said, 
you're doing something way totally different than me. And it's just not really what I want. So Chuck Barris and Chris Beard went their separate ways. So it's not surprising that this came from that guy. And you got to be kind of weird to do something as goofy as the cheap show. I don't want to call it like the antithesis of a game show, but it's not your normal game. Let's say that. And actually, we've talked about Chris Beard previously, Greg. Oh? Greg, you're going to love this. He was a writer on the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle show. Oh, f- that. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. But also, if you want a better credit, Craig, he was a writer on Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. So maybe there's a little bit of redemption there. But I just love getting in any sort of Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle reference if I can, because I know you love it so much. That episode, to date, was the most depressed I ever was on an episode. And that was my Money in the Bank pick from a couple of years ago. And remember, if you weren't listening a couple of years ago, or even up to the last year, I sort of had that halo sort of hovering over my head of Mike picks horrible shows for the uh, Money in the Bank episodes. And so I had to redeem myself last year with Madam's Place, and I think I redeemed myself to a point. And also in about a month, I'm going to redeem myself again because I'm going to be doing The Mental Misadventures of Ed Grimley. And I know Chico's really psyched for that. Oh, I'm excited, too. I'm just excited to talk about Martin Short. Oh, that's going to be great. And speaking of Chico, he's not here this week. It's going to be me and Greg for this episode and the next episode. He'll be back next week. Again, life sort of gets in the way, kind of, sort of. So the cheap show itself. We said it was created by Chris Beard. The host of it, and this is a person we've talked about plenty, Dick Martin. Of course, he just mentioned Rowan and Martin's laughing. Well, he's the Martin part of that. But also we talked about Dick Martin previously on Mind Readers, announced by Johnny Olson. That's right, Mike. I did that pile of crap. But you got paid. That's right, I did. So it wasn't that bad. The announcer on The Cheap Show was Charlie O'Donnell. We know him from primarily Wheel of Fortune, but gosh, he did so much announcing over the years. We could be here forever and a day talking about what he announced. And there was, like any probably halfway decent game show had back in the 70s, a sidekick. Wanda. But Wanda wasn't her name. Her real name, I should say. Her name was Janelle Price, and if you go on IMDb, this is the only credit Janelle Price has. So this was the peak of her career, and it was also the end of her career, going out on a high note, somewhat. The Cheap Show itself was a bit of a different game show. You had three rounds, and in each round, there was one question. So... There were two celebrities on a panel. There were actually three. 
this is where sort of the cheapness of the cheap show comes into play. So there is an existing episode, which is on YouTube, and the celebrities on the episode are Rita Moreno and David Doyle. But the third celebrity who couldn't show up, I wonder why, was Henry Ford. Well, given that Henry Ford probably had been dead for a good 30 years at that point, wonder why he didn't show up. And yeah, actually, uh, just a quick little check on uh, Google. He died in 1947, so 31 years earlier. And that was one of the running gags with that show was you had two normal celebrities and then a third one who couldn't show up, primarily because they're dead. So there are three rounds. Each round had one question. In each round, a question was asked to the panel. One of the celebrities gave a correct answer while the other gave a bluff. And basically all they had to do was identify which one had the real answer, which one had the bluff. But there's a little bit of a twist to it. You didn't have two contestants playing each other. You had two teams, albeit... One was sort of like the contestant, and the other was, for lack of a better phrase, the victim of any sort of punishment. The female was actually the contestant, and the male was trapped inside what was called the punishment pit. So the first contestant guessed uh, which celebrity was telling the truth. If she was correct, the couple scored a point and a really cheap prize, but the other team... Their loved one, the, the male, was punished with a pie in his face or slime or basically what you'd see on like Double Dare about eight years later, just some sort of mess. If she was incorrect in her guess, her husband or male partner got the punishment and the opposing couple got the point and the prize. And again, it's like an insignificant prize. In the second round, the roles are reversed. The other couple gets to guess, but it's basically the same type of gameplay. Get the answer right. You get a little dinky prize and the male on the opposition gets yucked on. However, it may be slime, feathers, whatever. So pretty much the same thing. Not much variety here. And those two rounds were worth one point apiece. But there was a third round that was played, and this was the deciding round. And I know what you're thinking, Greg. This third round was played for two points. So if the team that was behind, if they were shut out in the first two rounds, they win the third round, it's tied up, would go to a tiebreaker, right? Yeah. Not the case. The third round was worth 20 points. Oh, my God. It's all or nothing. So round one is one point. Round two is one point. Round three is 20 huge points. Round three is like, break the first two rounds. This is where it's all about, baby. It's anybody's game. Just like in the words of Pete on that SNL Thanksgiving sketch where he ate that cake. Greg, no, don't bring that up. Well, he did. So that third round, 
played like the other rounds, it, you know, really high stakes situation for all the marbles, all the Tostitos. This is for all the Tostitos. And believe it or not, whoever had the most points goes to the bonus round. So are you going to the bonus round with 20 points or 21 or 22? Who knows and who cares? You're going to the bonus round. And it's called the semi-colossal prize sweepstakes finale. Boy, this is like a big label on a goofy game. Semi-colossal prize sweepstakes finale. There was a wheel. And this wheel had 12 wedges on it. And each one corresponded to a numbered envelope that was on a, a wall. And each space had a hole. And to determine which prize was won, a large white rat known as Oscar the Wonder Rodent would be placed on the wheel while it was being spun, and whatever hole Oscar the Wonder Rodent crawled into determined what prize would be won. However, if Oscar the Wonder Rodent landed in the hole that contestants predicted Oscar would land, they'd win a car. So maybe not a cheap show after all. And believe it or not, not that I want to spoil it, but on that episode that's on YouTube, they win the car because Oscar ran into hole number 10, and that's what they said he'd run into. So it's not really a cheap show, at least in the episode that exists. And in this bonus round, the prizes were not some sort of throwaway gag. They were legit prizes. So you're getting something for your effort. And really, I don't want to make this a short show, but that's essentially the show. It was kind of redundant, kind of stupid. It didn't last more than a year. Like I said, 24 episodes. And there's not much to see on YouTube. But I, I do want to talk about some of the celebrities that were on the show before we wrap up the proceedings. Because there's a little list on IMDb. We talked about Rita Moreno. We talked about David Doyle. Bob Newhart was on this show. Wow. I would have never believed Bob Newhart would have maybe not necessarily sunk into this level, but... I mean, he was still a big name in 1978. Uh, Jill St. John was on an episode. Ava Gabor, who was on pretty much everything in the 70s, it seems. Robert Guillaume. So you're talking about second year of soap at that point, right before he spun off to Benson. Anthony Lulee was on an episode. Here's a name that I don't know if we've ever talked about him. I don't think so. Truman Capote was on an episode. I would love to see that. Truman Capote on the cheap show. That might be some of the best unintentional humor ever, having Truman Capote on the cheap show. Jim Stafford was on an episode. Charlie Callis is on an episode. But yeah, there's just not much information out there about this show. There's not much audio or video about this show. So we have little bits and pieces to build upon. Obviously, the ratings weren't that great. And taking a look at the listings, it looked like this show was sort of buried in a lot of places in late night. And also, it was once a week. It was 24 episodes. We said that. 
So probably buried somewhere on Saturday, Sunday nights. And uh, even the clearances might have been an issue. While looking through Cleveland listings, I didn't see anything about it airing in Cleveland. It's mentioned in some newspaper articles, but there's no talk about it airing on any Cleveland stations. I don't know where it ended up. Obviously, in Cleveland, it didn't end up much of anywhere if I can't find a single listing for it. So regarding the cheap show, it's not a long episode. There's not a lot of information out there, but it was apparently so bad that in 1979, people said, no, we're cool. We don't need to see another season of this. And uh, unfortunately, for that reason, the cheap show it just became a thing on TV. I think we need a bit of a palate cleanser, don't you, Greg? Yeah. How about we do some Match Game Hollywood Squares? Oh, good. It's time for This weekend Match Game. Hollywood Squares. Our History. We are now into late January slash early February of 1984. We are actually in the second 13 weeks now. Match Game Hollywood Squares survived the first 13 weeks. Yay, we're going to get 13 more weeks. And to start off with the second 13 weeks, we have Fern Fitzgerald, Tom Poston, no coma, sorry, Constance McCashin, Marty Cohen, Alan Thicke. Yeah, that's right, Mike. I was on this week. And you're there with your wife at the time, Gloria Loring. Oh, that's right. And also Steven Schnitzer and Nipsey Russell. One thing that started this week, maybe coincidentally with the start of the second batch of 13 weeks of shows, is there were plugs for the telephone match game where people at home could win $5,000 and have a walk-on on an NBC soap opera. Hey, Alan, if you're still there, what NBC soap opera would you want to do a walk-on on? Oh, my God. Well, I would want to be on uh, Days of Our Lives. Why do you say that? We're like Sands in the Hourglass, so are the Days of Our Lives. You didn't just do a McDonald carry, did you? That's right, I did. How'd I was... you like that? Oh, I liked it. I thought you'd be more of an another world person, but clearly I'm mistaken there. Oh, no. As much as I appreciate Linda Dano, no, I'm days of our lives all the way. I knew you had a thing for Linda Dano. I knew it. What would Gloria Loring say about that? Well, probably a lot, but I divorced her later on, so it's all good. Alan Thicke and Linda Dano together, and obviously Gloria Loring ran the video camera. Oh, never mind. So this week, and this is a contestant I think we've referred to in the past. His name is Ron Barnes. He actually retired this week, but he retired only with $7,475. I believe he won $5,000 his first day there and then bombed the rest of the week at the super match, the other four attempts that he went. I should say the head-to-head match. And then in the subsequent four head-to-head matches, he bombed. 
So that's why, you know, he won 5000 on the first day, but then $2,475 in the remaining four episodes. Didn't do so hot. We did have a $20,000 win with Gorio Loring on Wednesday, but again, talking about Ron Barnes, he missed on Monday, he missed on Tuesday, there was no win on Thursday, and there was no win on Friday, even though that Friday episode did not air on Buzzer. So next week, oh, next week, we got some names. I hope Chico comes back, because I know there's one name he may want to talk about. And even if Chico doesn't return, I know there's names that Greg and I want to talk about. It'll be a good week, week 15. We'll talk about that next Monday. Back to me to wrap up the show. That's going to do it for this episode. Please remember, you can always go to our website at itwasathingontv.com where all the 448 previous episodes are at. And don't forget, we have a lot more stuff than just those 448 episodes. We've got bonuses, minisodes, live shows, extended versions. we got a lot of stuff. And we're nearing 600 total files. That'll keep you busy for some time. And please remember, we're on all social media, including Instagram, Threads, Mastodon, over at It Was A Thing On TV. But at Facebook, please remember we're at It Was A Thing On TV podcast. And please remember... If you want to find us on Mastodon, you got to do a search at It Was a Thing on TV at tvwatch.party. And also, don't forget, we're anywhere you can find quality podcasts. You can find us at Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, as long as that's still around, and TuneIn Radio and iHeartRadio, Audible, so on and so forth. And also, any good podcast player will find us. Again, AntennaPod, that's what I use. Podcast Addict. The Podbean app itself is another great way to get our podcast. So find us on those places if you prefer using a podcast player. And please remember, we're also on YouTube. Again, at It Was The Thing on TV, where you can like and subscribe to our channel. And please hit that notification bell to stay informed of all future uploads on the channel, including what we're going to talk about on the next episode. Next time, it's number 450, Greg. And as is sort of kind of tradition around here, anytime we hit like a multiple of 50, it's kind of a big thing. If you look back in the history of the podcast, episode 100 was Match Game Hollywood Squares Revisited. Episode 350 was The Slap. Episode 400, we did Tequila and Bonetti, which you had been clamoring for for some time. We're getting to 450, and we're going to talk about one of the super-hyped TV shows of 1990, which fell flat on its face. It came from one of the superstar producers and creators in maybe television history, so there were expectations it was going to be great. Audiences didn't fall for it. Why didn't they fall for it? Was it because of the acting or was it because of just the random musical interludes or was the whole premise kind of hokey? We'll dive a little bit deeper into that next time here at It Was a Thing on TV. Again, as always, thank you for listening. Stay safe and we will come at you on Thursday with episode 450.
Rawr! on the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. This is the police! We have a warrant for your arrest! Here, come on! It's more than a drama. I want to thank the jury. It's more than a musical. Step up, chump. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Don't be coming for you, ready or not. It's a totally new form of television. You're going to read me my rights? Wednesdays this fall, Stephen Botchko's Cop Rock. Oh, if I knew it was going to say the name of the show, I would have just said it. In the outro. Yeah, Cop Rock is coming on Thursday, folks. Buckle up. A few moments later. This is CNN Breaking News. Vince McMahon has resigned from his position as the executive chairman of the board of TKO Group Holdings, Inc., the company formed by Endeavor that merged WWE and the UFC. I wanted to inform you that Vince McMahon has tendered his resignation from his position as TKO executive chairman and on the TKO board of directors, WWE president and TKO board member Nick Khan said in an email to staff seen by Variety. He will no longer have a role with TKO, TKO Group Holdings or WWE. Damn shame. To quote Jerry, that's a shame. That really is a shame. Ding. 